Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is a Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 39. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he was born in Connecticut, Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up? It's Pat Flynn, and welcome to the 39th session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are, and uh, I hope you're ready for a great show. I've actually gotten a ton of requests from people for more info about iPhone applications, and that's what this show is about today. For those of you who don't know, I actually co-founded an iPhone application company that is doing really well in the App Store, You know, pretty well, I guess you could say, averaging between five dollars and $10,000 per month since we started about three years ago. But today I have a guest who's doing way better than that, and he provides some great information for anyone interested in not only iPhone apps, but actually just about business in general, because he's got a product, a series of iPhone applications that's totally for like a niche type of audience, and he's making five figures a month with this. And the cool part is that these apps are actually really doing some good. I mean, like they're for a really good cause. Unlike the apps that my buddy and I have, which are mostly entertainment type of applications that are, you know, sort of amusing, but not necessarily life-changing. So just keep that in mind when you listen to the success story with Mike Dunin, who talks about his line of applications that he and his wife are working on. And uh, I start out with a little intro in this recording here, and then we get right into it. So please enjoy. Hey, everybody. What's up? This is Pat Flynn here from the Smart Passive Income Podcast, and I'm really stoked to have Mike Dunin on the podcast today who is in the iPhone app business. I know I've had a lot of requests for more information on iPhone apps, and I don't, I don't think right now that I know anybody who could better kind of, uh, per, I could pre better present kind of a success story uh, th than Mike because he's doing some amazing things in the app store, uh, some really meaningful things as well. So I'd love to pick his brain here for you today. So Mike, first of all, just thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So tell us about your business. Like I said, you're in the apps, you're you're in the app business. What kind of apps are you making and how did you get started? Sure. Um, so we're in the uh, children's apps business. Um, my wife is a speech therapist, so specifically our niche is uh, speech therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and the way we got involved was uh, basically we got an iPad about a year and a half ago. And my wife, um, her job is to go house to house and work with kids. And uh, she brought her iPad in and she came back and she's like, 
you know, this thing is amazing. These kids just absolutely love it. And, uh, and it's fantastic. They're responding so, so well. So, um, so after she said that, we both sat down and we looked at um, all the different iPads out there, all the different apps out there. And uh, there was basically, you know, as we saw it, there's a big need. Mm-hmm. So, um, so as we looked into it, we said, hey, you know, let's, let's just do one and let's see what happens. You know, we didn't know what we're doing when we're getting into it, but um, we jumped right into it and uh, it's been great. Awesome. So how did you actually, uh, you know, so what does the app, uh, what do the apps do that, that, that you guys produce? Um, there, so there's for speech therapy and they basically are to build language skills. So um, basically the idea that uh, we came up with was we have a character called Milo. Um, actually, now we have three different characters, but we started with Milo and his job, his whole sole purpose in life is just to act out different things for kids to be engaged with and uh and basically to help them to, to help facilitate speech so um i'll use the first one we did as an example was uh was verbs so we created this character um and uh had a hundred different verbs you know jump run all that stuff mm-hmm. and basically the child would go through and he'd select um jump and then milo would go and show him how he jumps and um our apps are unique in that they're meant to be they're not something that you hand the child and, and just let them play a game. You know, it's not like an Angry Birds type of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's more something that uh, a parent would use with their child um, or a speech therapist or a teacher would use with their child. So, um, so we've got seven apps out there, and, uh, and they're all, you know, very um, kind of rudimentary um, apps that work with a child's language development. So, they're, you know, they're, it's, a, it's a great character that kids love. Um, and it just basically helps them facilitate speech. Um, there's several different car- uh, categories, you know, within speech therapy that, that we could have focused on. And, and this is really where we felt there was the, the greatest need at the time. Okay. So how much do the apps cost? Um, most of our apps are $299. Okay. Uh, we do have one that's $199. And, and soon we'll be coming out with a free app. $299. Okay. And, and if you don't mind me asking, how much are you making per month with about seven apps you say now for about two ninety nine. Um, we're making it, uh, between 15 and 20,000 a month on our apps. And, and, and that's after Apple's cut. That's after Apple. So after, uh, Apple takes a 30% cut, um, for being on their store. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's well worth it. Uh, you know, 30% is a lot, but when you're considering that you're being on the, you're, you're put on the best store kind of in the world, um, it, it's absolutely worth it. Wow, fifteen to twenty thousand—that—that's—that's that's incredible. Yeah, we—I mean, we were uh, we're shocked to be honest with you. And <laughs> um, like you know, kind of just as important to us is uh, it's really amazing that we could you know we're helping so many kids out um, kind of worldwide. So you know, we'll see we see purchases from all over the world, and we get um, hundreds of emails, uh, you know, quite a bit, just saying how great our apps are and how much they've actually helped their kids, uh, speak. And I mean, it's just, it's really touching to get these emails from people saying, um, how we've made a difference in, in their child life. That is really cool. And I, I have to congratulate you for that, not only for the success and the, the money that's coming into to you and your family now, but just f- for the amount of help you're giving to other people and, and these kids, uh, which is a lot more than what I can say about my applications that I do, which are kind of more entertainment kind of, uh, you know, they don't really add to society, I guess you could say. So, uh, 
you know, both models are successful, but I'm really glad to hear that this is, you know, you're actually helping people. So I think one of the first questions that I know people have uh, in their minds right now is, okay, you come up with this idea and you want to put an app in the app store, but, you know, I'm guessing that you weren't a developer or didn't know how to build these apps yourself. How would you, how do you, how do you put an app in the app store if you don't know how to build an app? Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm not a developer and we quite frankly had no idea what we're doing when we got into this. So, um, you know, based I, the, the first bit of advice I'd say, um, and it's actually something I didn't necessarily do, but, um, is, is really look at your idea and what you want to do and, uh, you know, question yourself and make sure it's something that, um, you know, ask yourself, is this something that people would buy? And, um, you know, is this important enough that somebody would want to spend money or, or look at different revenue models, um, which we could talk about different, different revenue models, but, you know, make sure that it is something that, um, that you think is valid and, and, and will be successful and, and second guess it, um, a bit because there are a lot out there. So it's important to, uh, to go through that process and make sure that it's, it's, uh, it's worth putting on the app store. Mm -hmm. um, but once you've, once you've gone through that, um, what I did was there, there's a couple elements you have to think about. There's um, design, there's the development itself, and all the sound effects um, would, would be the third category. Um, so, uh, so you're going to have to line up a, uh, a good designer for, for the, the app store um, on an iPad or on an iPhone. Design is really the, the critical piece. Um, so, so you really have to think about that deeply and, and look for a good designer. Right. Um, and, uh, you'll, you'll also have to look for a developer. Um, when that's, uh, you know, once you get into it, I'd say to start, you have to think about what the app is going to do and, uh, really figure out, go kind of storyboard it out and think, okay, what's this app meant to do and to get a good idea. So when you do get in touch with a designer and a developer, you could explain to them in sufficient detail that they could, um, you know, size the app or size the effort and, and give you an estimated cost. Mm -hmm. um, so once we went through that kind of vetting process, we um, reached out. We found our developers on uh, on Elance actually, um, and uh, and got really lucky. Um, since since we've been doing apps, we've actually formed a long term partnership with them, and uh, and we have a very good relationship. But to start. We looked on Elance for developers, um, and uh, there are also designers on Elance as well. Um, we use the site um, because we're not artists uh, in our household, so we use a site called 99designs mm -hmm. to find um, basically good artwork. Um, so, and, and that 99designs is basically a, uh, a contest that you, you, you'll put a, a, a task out and say, in our case, I said, okay, I want this mouse that's super cute, he's blue. Etc. And uh, whoever comes up with the greatest mouse wins, uh, say two hundred and fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. And it's a really amazing resource where you'll have, uh, you know, dozens of developers to choose from. So you'll have to start by thinking of those uh, different areas and really aligning your resources. And what we did before we decided to plunge ahead and develop was figure out what the cost is going to be. Mm -hmm. So um, I asked up front um, the designer and uh, the developer exactly how much is this going to cost us and put contingencies on it that said, okay, you know, I won't pay you until it's uh, submitted to the app store. Um, so I knew that I was actually going to get something for the process. And when I figured out it was within our budget, um, then we, th then we jumped into it. 
Okay. Now, did the developers or, or whoever built the app for you, did they submit the app for you? Or was there any sort of thing you had to learn as far as how the submission process works on your own? Yeah, I had them submit it for us. You don't necessarily have to. Um, you know, you could do it yourself. Um, but in my case, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing at all. So um, I, uh, I worked very closely with the team and I made sure that I was comfortable with them before I did that process because, you know, if you do have them submit it to your, the app store, you'll have to give them a temporary password to get into your um, your account. So that's not something everybody would be comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, with our um, team, I, I felt very comfortable with it. Okay, so I, I want to start from the uh, kind of where you first uh, started talking about the idea and then kind of walk through exactly what you said and, and get uh, hit a, a few finer points along the way. So the first thing you said was really, if you have an idea, look at your idea, step back and really consider, you know, is this really something that can be successful? And I think that's a really smart thing to do because a lot of people come up with these ideas and they just go for it without even really giving second thought and then, you know, months into the project, you know, they find out that it's, it's, it probably, you know, they probably sh- uh, should have considered otherwise. But my question, I, I mean, I know that that that's really hard to do. Was, is there any sort of market research that goes along with this? Because, you know, it's really hard for us to walk away from our own project and say that it's bad because it's just human nature to, to right. not do that. So, I mean, do you get other, do you get friends and family to consider your idea as well? Or do you go anywhere where your uh, potential audience could be to see how they might feel about it? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I suppose it depends on your niche. Um, and, and that's something I would um, press is, is to pick a niche um, that you know and are very familiar with. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't suggest just going in and being the next Angry Birds because um, the you know the game apps are just getting fantastic. So mm-hmm. um, you know, pick a niche that you really know and love, so you know the needs. Um, and in our case, um, we did being you know it was my wife's business. We knew um, how to test. it. So we worked with my wife. Actually, used the beta in therapy, or she was familiar enough with uh, with the material to know how well it was going to work. Um, but if you're doing a, you know, um, a, a, another app that is specific to an industry, I think you're going to have to really research what's going to, you know, who the audience is and actually run it by different people. You know, whether it's friends and family or somebody that's a, a colleague, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have to sit down with them and, and say, hey, you know, here's my idea and, uh, and really vet it out before I'd say jumping into it. Because, you know, to be honest, I, I think most people don't make money on the app store. I mean, I think eventually, you know, a lot of people end up breaking even or making, um, you know, a small, um, profit. So, mm-hmm. so you do really have to go through that process, but you know, there, there's a huge amount of opportunity out there. So I think going through that process is healthy and it's going to allow you to come up with a better app. Yeah, absolutely. Now the next step you talked about was once you get that idea down, you know that there's potentially a good market for it is storyboarding the application. And anytime I talk to someone about building apps, that's something that I always drill in their heads. You have to, you know, wireframe the application exactly how you want it to look. And the more details you can put in there, the better. And what what happens along the way uh, is is when you're doing that, you'll discover that there's a lot of holes that you need to fill. And it's good to fill those holes because, you know, you don't really know how the application works until you draw each screen and what button goes to where and all these sorts of things. But that's really helpful not only for you in brainstorming and even potentially adding new features to your uh, application, but also for, like you said, 
the developers and the designers. And I've experienced terrible experiences when I first started doing iPhone apps. My first iPhone app with my partner, we had a great idea. We knew the idea in our head and we just put it out there on Elance. Actually, we used Elance as well. And we got a developer. We were really excited, so we didn't do research as much as we should have. And we just picked the cheapest developer. Uh, you know, we were young and we didn't know what we were doing, but it was a good learning experience because what happened was we said, hey, here's our idea, do it. And they came back with something that was totally, you know, it 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 met, the, it met what we said to do, but it wasn't what our vision was. And so there was a lot of discrepancies there and there was a lot of back and forth. And literally it took about six months to get our first app done. Now I'll tell you that the second app we had done, we storyboarded the whole thing. It took about a month. Um, so I, I'm really glad that, that you picked up on that. Now, yeah. uh, as far as design, development, and sound effects, uh, you know, I, I think that's really important. So what are some tips that you have for people as far as posting a job on Elance, for example? You know, uh, do you post your entire job? Like what if, uh, I know a lot of people get scared about sharing all their, what their app is gonna be and you know, someone might steal the idea or how do you, how do you find a trustworthy de uh, developer? How did you guys find your trustworthy developer? Yeah, it's a great question and I was super paranoid when I first did it. Um, and it, to, to the point where um, I, you know, I found our designer separately from our developers so that they couldn't really take the entire concept. Mm -hmm. um, Smart. So I, I found it on Elance, and what I did was I posted just a vague description of what we're doing. So I described, you know, in probably a couple paragraphs exactly what we wanted to do, um, but I didn't share any details. And then um, got a, a fair amount of response back from uh, from interested developers, which you, t you typically will. Um, and I had them all sign an NDA before I released anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, once they did, then I gave them... Um, the the complete requirements and uh you know once they signed the nda then i felt comfortable um and in hindsight looking back i you know i, I definitely think it's very valuable to be cautious um, that somebody doesn't take your idea but most of these guys that are uh, looking for work there there's more opportunity in in it for them to be a developer and get you know good positive ratings from from people and get more business there's you know, there's a huge demand for iOS developers and Android developers. So, um, you know, I, I think that most of them are actually just out to make a great app with you and then get future business. Yeah. Um, I would suggest if you, if, if possible, you know, if you know somebody that's made an app, um, if you, uh, you know, if it's best to get recommendations. So if there's a network um, within the, um, the, the niche that you're looking at, or if you know friends um, or colleagues that have uh, people they suggest, then that's the route to go, I'd say, um, rather than go to Elance. Elance is fantastic, but it's always best if you have kind of first-person recommendations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's really important. Now, you said that, uh, how long ago was it when you started your first application? Um, well, our very first one was, I, I guess, about a, it was probably about a year and a half. A year and a half. And how long did that take from you know, start of the idea to getting into the app store. Yeah, that one took forever. It seemed like it took uh, probably about, I'd say, about three months. Three months. And if you don't mind me asking, what was sort of the total costs uh, involved there? Um, our first one was, uh, I think, uh, about four thousand dollars. Four thousand dollars. Okay. And then the second app, it sounds like happened a lot faster. 
Um, and, and was the cost the same or was it down? Was it kind of less because you kind of already had a framework there? Yeah, it was, it was less. Um, you know, it, so there's the framework, but also there's the, if you do it with the same developer, there's, there's the experience. So they could do it a little bit quicker. So, so now, you know, we're, um, we, we've got some very uh, people with deep knowledge and, and they could do it much quicker. Okay, great. Okay, so so let's rewind back to a year and a half ago. You just completed your first application. You put it in the App Store. What happens then? Because I know from experience and uh, from my own company, and also from hearing about other people's companies, that you can't. You're very rarely can you just put an app out there and just it's going to take off without any additional work. I mean, what what was it like for you guys when you first posted? your application in the App Store? Was there anything that you did to help promote it? Uh, and, and what made it successful? Sure, yeah. So that's, that is the, uh, the, the tough thing, so is, is being found. And, and that's why I suggest looking at a niche that you know and love um, so you know how to really appeal in there. So um, when we launched, we were, it, it was enormously stressful because we had no idea what to do. <laughs> um, and once we, so once it got launched after the initial stress of, oh, does it work? Does it? take too long to download. Um, basically what I did was I just emailed, um, you know, all night to different people uh, that either review apps or are in the field that are interested in our apps. So um, I ended up having more luck with those, uh, you know, bloggers and, uh, and professionals that are in um, either the children's app industry or um, you know, speech therapy and education, mm-hmm. um, rather than the you know the big reviewers that are out there, um, just because the big reviewers get so many re- um, so many scoops that they they really pick and choose. Yeah. Um, so I really started out with just kind of mass emailing and and did it honestly for a month. I just I just kept on emailing everybody I could think of and everybody that I found on the web, um, and eventually built up enough buzz. To where people were interested, um, I would say probably the, the the most important aspect is uh, is the reviews uh, on the app store itself. Um, so if you um, you know if if people email you and say, "Hey, I love this product. It's fantastic. It's you know changed our life, or you know, or just it makes me laugh, or whatever." Um, I, I've gotten over my shyness of asking for a review. So if you know if people like it, then I, I don't feel bad about saying, "Hey, would you take a quick sec to to tell the App Store that?" Mm-hmm. Um, because people look at those reviews, and that I think is is really the um, main guiding point to how many people buy your apps. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it sounds like you really put in some hard work after the app went live to you know almost like guerrilla marketing you're like you're going out there on the front line and just emailing people and i think that's what a lot of people forget is that you know it doesn't just end when you get your app in the app store that's actually when it all starts and you really have to put in the hard work and 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 you should because you spent so long building your app and getting it up there um you know and, and i i really agree with you as far as the app review sites we've spent so long trying to contact all those app review sites the large ones um like the unofficial app blog uh, blog, um, blog and all these other really you know ones that i knew that if we got our apps on there it would be huge but Right. Like you said, they're just so swamped with requests from people. 
like uh, your advice is, is spot on, I think, is, is to go niche down and, and to really f help the people who have those audiences feel like that that app was built specifically for their audience. Right. Um, and yeah. I think that's very, very smart. And the reviews, too, are extremely important as well. And uh, yeah, it's just all about asking and, and, and developing relationships with people. And yeah, I know we're talking about iTunes and the App Store, but that's something you have to do as well. And that's just a common theme throughout pretty much my entire blog is the importance of relationships. And that extends, it seems like, in, into the App Store uh, as, yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, relationships are, are really key. I mean, we've, uh, we've found some amazing networks um, for, you know, for children's stuff. There's like Moms with Apps, which has been amazing for us. And we've learned things that we never would have realized. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the, the big benefits for us of, uh, of jumping into the app world was just realizing all this whole new world out there. And there's so many brilliant people that are working on apps that you'll, you know, you can find when you start um, and you join these networks and you'll just be like, my gosh, these guys are so smart and they're in this, you know, they're excited about the same thing I'm excited about. So um, the networks are, are really crucial just to, you know, just in, not, not just to learn things, but kind of inspirationally, I think too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, okay. So, so you have your first app out there and it's doing well. How long until your second one comes out? Um, we, we kind of waited about two months just to make sure that it was, uh, real, I, you mm -hmm. know, to make sure that, uh, that wasn't just a fluke. I mean, to be honest, we, we got some emails early on, um, you know, the, the, like I mentioned before, just saying, Hey, this is, this is great. This is helping my daughter or my son. So we did, you know, we knew that we we're going to go ahead with the, the next one, but it was, it was a lot of work. And so we wanted to take a little break and then, uh, and then we jumped into the second one after two months and, uh, kind of our goal has been, um, last year we put out, I think, um, six, hopefully this year we'll do about the same. So, Very uh, nice. we don't want to do too many, you know, that we want ours to be good and meaningful. So, uh, mm -hmm. so we don't want to just flood the app store with our apps, but, right. um, but we do, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff you could do. So, so we plan to do more. Right. I mean, I, I love this conversation. We could talk for, I mean, hours, uh, I could talk for hours about this stuff, but I, I, I do want to touch on a couple key points before we finish up. And the first one is you have a lot of apps out there. Are you promoting your other apps within your other apps, if that makes sense? Uh, right. Are you, are you cross-promoting your applications with each other, and how kind of successful has that been for you? Um, yeah, we are. So we have a link on our, um, on our homepage that basically says, you know, more Milo, and it'll go to the, uh, the rest of the app store, um, all of our apps on the app store. This is within the application within the application itself. And uh, I have no idea how successful that is because it's metrics are a little, uh, you know, tough to come by. And uh, um, so I, I suspect it, I've actually seen, you know, the, as we roll out more, we'll be more successful with our other apps. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't have any, you know, hard data, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the one thing about Apple is they don't really do a fantastic job of letting us know exactly what's going on behind the scenes and I mean uh, what what are some tools that you use to kind of track your sales and, and how your rankings are, are going um, app Annie is the uh, the one I'd recommend um, app Annie will tell you where you stand uh, in as in your uh, category you know what what ranking you are mm -hmm. it'll tell you what your sales were day by day and uh, and, and it'll show you a nice graph for your different trends um, I found that that's the most successful. Um, 
uh, for, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Apple has their own um, iTunes Connect app, which, uh, which you could just quickly check your stats um, each day. So um, between the two, I'd say that's uh, those are what you should look at. Okay, cool. Yeah, everybody, app Annie A P P A N N I E. That's what I use as well, and it's 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 pretty handy. And they send you an email every day as far as your uh, how much you've, you're making off of each application, uh, which is really cool. Now, uh, one tip that I I've you know that which might be helpful for you, um, Mike, that I've been using is I've been using a couple things to help keep track of what's going on within our applications as far as people clicking on different links. So I use either a tool like Bud URL, B-U-D-U-R-L, to kind of, uh, I guess you could say, mask a different link, and it'll keep track of how many times people go through that link for us. Um, also, I use a WordPress plugin called Pretty Link, which I use a lot of times for affiliate links on the on the site to clean up those affiliate links, which are usually long and ugly. But it also it keeps track of how many times people click on those links as well. So that's a quick way that uh, you know we like to see how many people. You know, most of our applications have a More Apps button in them, and so for example, our More Apps button would be something like lolarapps.com slash more apps. That would be the actual pretty link, which keeps track of the link, which then goes to a mobile page that shows the rest of our applications on there. So that's been really helpful. And we could see that that's been clicked on, you know, tens of thousands of times. Um, And then from there, it's kind of just a guessing game because, again, Apple doesn't really do a good job of kind of uh, backtracking about where sales are coming from and how things happen. But um, I don't know if that's useful. Yeah, yeah, it is. in in our in our niche, you know, with children, there's a lot of attention now on privacy. So um, we're just you know overly paranoid. So we're kind of intentionally not tracking things. But but I you know that that would be very helpful for um, our apps that are directed more at professionals. Cool, cool. Uh, and all right, awesome. Now, what about pricing? Now, you said earlier that you priced your apps at two ninety nine. What was the thinking behind that? Have you tried any other prices? Have you uh, thought about doing the free with in-app purchases? Or what? Um, yeah. It sounded like you you had some strong thoughts about pricing, so I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a tough decision. But the you know the beauty of the app store is um, you know it's not like your corner store when you go and buy a loaf of bread and uh, you know pay two dollars or whatever that costs and go back the next day and it's five dollars and you know. And you're like, what's going on here? I mean, you, you actually could, with the app store, when people buy your app, they um, they're not going to come back and rebuy it. So you could actually toy with different prices and see what works. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did. So I did some experimenting with that. Um, our decision took a lot the competition into account in a large uh, for a large part too. Um, you know, a lot of our competition were really high priced app because it is a premium space. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to be a you know, one of the affordable, um, you know, kind of every man's um, applications so parents could buy it. So we, we already went in knowing that we're going to price, um, you know, on the lower scale. Um, we initially went in, we went in at $299, um, thinking that that was our price. And I did go up and down. And I actually found sometimes when I went up um, in price to, uh, you know, say uh, $499, we actually made even more sales, not just more money, but more sales. Mm. Um, but it was, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, more on principle that we wanted to keep it at a lower price than that. So we decided 299 for our, our current suite of apps was as high as we wanted to go. Um, and looking at, so you mentioned the, uh, the freemium model. So 
giving away something for free and then having um, allowing a client a customer to purchase if they want more and uh, that's hugely popular a lot of people do that and it's been very successful um, it, it didn't happen to work with uh, what we had in mind um, though we are looking at it for future apps um, and you know everything I've read I don't I don't since I haven't done it myself I can't say for sure but I have heard that this is a very successful money uh, uh, model. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the ad route if you want to do free apps and then make money off of ads. Um, that is, uh, for some people, extremely successful. Um, obviously, for us, since we're in um, the children's space, it, it's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, I think the the lesson is that there are tons of different uh, models out there for pricing, and you kind of just have to play around and see what will work best. Uh, not only for you, but for the people who are going to be consuming your application. And uh, I have experience with free apps. I have experience with paid apps. Both have been uh, successful for us. And, uh, you know, some apps that we thought would do better free actually do better paid and vice versa. So it's it's, it's very it's a very difficult thing to figure out. I mean, the, the app store is still relatively new in this world. So, I mean, people are, are still learning about it every day, as I'm sure you and I are, are, are both as well. So... Uh, the, the last thing I want to talk about is exposure um, and how important it is to be exposed in the App Store. Did you ever have your applications kind of ranking in the top uh, lists and, and kind of uh, how important do you think that is to the success of the application? Yeah, um, hugely important. Um, I'd, I'd say I'd kind of split it up into different groups. So there's um, just ranking within the uh, category that Apple puts it in. And if you're on, uh, you know, that that top twenty or so, then you're in in very good shape. Um, so so ranking as high as possible is really important. Um, there's also the staff picks, which uh, which Apple has. Uh, and if you are a staff pick or a featured app, um, then it was as we were lucky enough to be for um, a, a couple occasions. Um, then you'll see your your sales shoot up suddenly, and you won't know what's going on, but you're <laughs> featured somewhere. Um, How do you get? As a, how do you get to be a staff pick or a featured or a hot application? You you just nobody knows. You just have to be lucky with Apple. Some somebody uh, you know key on Apple side has to uh, come across you. Right. So you just um, have to uh, really create an awesome application, I guess, and just yeah, hope for the best. Yeah. And I would say um, you know what what for our our strategy at least was uh, keywords was being ranked high for certain um, keywords. So it's not necessarily, you know, within education, we're not necessarily ranked very high. Um, but when people look for something, when they look for speech therapy, we'll be among the first that pop up. And uh, and that is is very important when you're in more of a niche. Okay. Um, because, you know, they it's I don't know how often people stumble across apps when they're just kind of scrolling through education or games or something like that. But a lot will search for keywords and if you pop up and you have good ratings then then they're likely to purchase how do you tailor an application to a specific keyword what are some tips to make sure that you have a high possibility of being found for a particular keyword um, your name matters so uh, so the name of the application matters um, ours is uh, you know speech with Milo so uh, so when you search for speech we're, we're gonna pop up high um, there's also Apple gives you uh, 100 characters to uh, come up with keywords, and uh, so you have to use those extremely wisely. It's pretty tough. 
Um, but I would say, you know, again, like you're, you mentioned before, you just have to build a good application. Mm-hmm. You have to be um, popular enough to where you pop up. So it's not just uh, your your name and your keywords. You, there's a there's an algorithm behind it where they look at your popularity um, over the last X number of days, and uh, and I believe even your ratings as well. So um, so you know, it, like anything else, like you know, you always preach on on your podcast. You've got to start with building something very good. Um, and but then also you know it it helps to tailor your name um, so you uh, so you come across in those keywords right absolutely now is there are there any tools out there that we could use to kind of gauge what keywords are being searched for and which ones aren't um, we I used uh, the the Google tool okay um, but also uh, you know we we actually spoke to different people in the industry and uh, you know parents that we would be targeting and Kind of said, well, what what would you search for um, if you're looking for an app like this? So we kind of did, you know, on the ground research. Yeah, too. I think that's very smart because I mean, Google AdWords keyword tool or tools like Market Samurai or Longtail Pro or whatever, those are going to be good. But that's that's a Google search, and 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 I think people going into iTunes are going to be probably searching uh, with a different thought in mind, not necessarily to find quick and easy information about something they're searching for uh, answers about, but you know, they're actually looking for different applications. So it's, it, it'll, it probably aligns uh, a little bit, but I think like you said, going, doing the groundwork and actually, you know, getting into your niche and understanding what terms, what language they're using to, uh, to potentially search for those apps. I think that's, that's extremely important. And, and much like I said with Apple is, is it's a lot of it is, Kind of an educated guessing game, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, again, Mike, I, I want to thank you for for being on the show. I just want to end uh, with one question, or actually a couple questions. Excuse me. Uh, just first, what are some quick tips you have for people who are interested in getting uh, into the app store and you know making an app for themselves? Um, well, I, I'd say you know um, think it through and you know get pen to paper, do the kind of back of the napkin type of thing, you know, write, write it out, see if, uh, if it's a viable idea and then, uh, you know, you know, try to make it happen. And, um, I'd say, you know, talk to somebody that, you know, have done it. Um, if, uh, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, but you know, do, do the kind of, you know, play it out, right, write it down, um, talk to different people. And then if you feel like, you know, if you really feel in your bones, like it's going to be successful, and uh, you could afford to uh, to pay what it would take to the to start up your first app, then uh, you know then then jump into it. Great, great, great advice. Uh, great sound advice, Mike. Thank you so much again. If people wanted to contact you, uh, maybe they had a couple questions. What would be the base, uh, best place to go to uh, talk to you? Uh, I'd say just email me at mike at speechwithmilo.com. Mike at speechwithmilo.com, M-I-K-E. And uh, that's the website, I would assume, to uh, learn more about the applications, right? Speech with right. Milo? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Speechwithmilo.com. All right. Awesome. Thank you again, Mike, for your time. I'm sure everybody appreciates uh, all the wisdom and, and thoughts and inspiration that you've given us today. And, you know, I, I just wish you even more and continued success. I mean, 15 to 20K a month is that that's amazing. And, and I can't wait to hear back from you, you know, in a year's time. And, and it's two or three, four times that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope so. <laughs> All right, Mike. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, Pat. Thanks.
All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mike with speechwithmilo.com. And, you know, Mike actually sent me a follow-up email after the interview because he felt we skipped over something really important during our conversation for anyone interested in iPhone apps, which is the importance of branding. And here's exactly what he said in his email. He said, We spoke a bit about standing out in the App Store, and to me, one of the most effective ways to stand out is to have a well-known brand. When we started up, we were very conscious of how we wanted our brand to be noticed and shared. When it comes to word of mouth, having a consistent and easy-to-remember brand makes all the difference in the world. The app world is pretty wild west right now, but it won't stay that way. So having an effective brand will give you a leg up over the competition. Uh, and this is Pat now. I think that's very important. And Mike, if you're listening, thank you for the follow-up. That uh, that means a lot and really shows that you care about the SPI audience here. And I know we all really appreciate that. But I couldn't agree more. Branding is very important, especially online. And that's actually something that my partner and I can actually work on a little bit better. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. That's it. So thank you again for taking the time to listen today. If you want to contribute at all, there's nothing to buy. But a quick review on iTunes would be excellent. I think we're up to 423 five-star reviews at this time, uh, which is awesome. So thank you so much. And please just you know, have a wonderful rest of your day and, and take action. You know, Nothing happens until you do something. So go and do something. Cheers, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.